Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Dr. Will O'Connor, Chief Medical Information Officer at Tiger Connect, about how technology is changing the way healthcare organizations collaborate and communicate. And now, on to the interview. This is Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH, and I'm joined today by Dr. Will O'Connor, CMIO of Tiger Connect. Welcome, Will. Thanks for having me, Jay. Thanks for being here. And... Uh, we were going to talk about uh, sort of the agile hospital and, and what that uh, what that looks like. But um, want to start off by having you tell me a little bit about yourself and about Tiger Connect. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am a uh, physician by background, and I've uh, been a been a physician for uh, close to twenty five years now, and um, have been working in the the healthcare healthcare IT space for almost that long um, when I was very, very young, saw the potential for information technology to improve the way that we deliver care in the United States and uh, have become uh, very enamored with that over time and find it a, a super interesting space to work in. So still try to stay relevant clinically, but then also stay uh, very, very connected to the information technology aspect of healthcare delivery. And specifically with, with Tiger Connect, um, we're a communication and collaboration company and really focus in that space, uh, working with health systems to help them communicate, streamline workflows and uh, deliver higher quality care at a lower cost. All right. Well. I guess let's start off with uh, how are cloud-based solutions changing the way healthcare works these days? I think in a couple of ways. I think, you know, for, for one piece of it, I think that it has allowed us to innovate faster. So traditionally, healthcare had been reliant on a lot of on-prem types of solutions, which could often be disconnected um, and then were more difficult to update and upgrade over time. And I think now with cloud solutions, what we're seeing is a higher degree of connectedness um, with each other and across health systems, but then also the pace of innovation and the ability to deliver to clients um, uh, the types of solutions that they need um, has been a lot easier with the cloud as well. Um, and and I, I guess we kind of saw an example of that, you know, last year and, and earlier this year with the pandemic going on and, uh, you know, sort of uh, telehealth really uh, kind of ramping up where it hadn't before. It was kind of, you know, moving along kind of slowly, then all of a sudden we had to use it. And, and now it's sort of, you know, everywhere. Uh, how did you sort of see that, you know, uh, playing out as the pandemic wore on? Yeah, you know, we worked a lot in that space and partnered with a lot of our clients to help them deliver on telehealth. Many of them were caught flat-footed. They had no solution. They had no way to respond to COVID. And, you know, as their facilities were closing down and as appointments were being canceled, you know that was that was revenue uh, walking out the door. So we we responded, you know, very very quickly and helped a lot of our clients deploy a telemedicine solutions so that they could continue to 
fund their operations and continue to deliver care for patients. Um, you know, we, we've seen a bit of a fall off in telemedicine since uh, since COVID. I think hospitals have still, and providers have still preferred to bring patients in and see them face-to-face -face if they can. Um, I think there's some billing advantages to, to doing that as well, especially on the hospital side where you can bill for a facility fee. However, we're still seeing a lot of, of telemedicine uh, happening. And I think with um, a potential resurgence of, of COVID uh, again here with the Delta variant here over the next couple of months, we'll probably see another uptick again of, um, of telemedicine um, in healthcare and trying to do things to connect the patients in a meaningful way uh, but keeping them out out of the facility and connecting with them remotely. So I I, I do expect that to to continue. Um, you know, the other pieces that needed to be considered as part of that is it's it's not just billable telemedicine. It's connecting with patients in a meaningful way um, that may not be billable, but might be help helping keep them on track, keep their care on track, um, engaging with them in a way where they're able to uh, continue to experience high quality care without necessarily having to go into a, uh, an office or facility. Yeah. Does that like, does that improve efficiency if you can kind of, you know, cut down on maybe non-crucial uh, visits to the office, but still, you know, you can still uh, maintain communication and, and parse out, you know, in, important information that you know doesn't require somebody to come in. Yeah, I, I, it really, really does. I think the more we can engage patients, you know, in their care, the more efficient that that care becomes. And you know, a lot of this has been driven by billing in the past. It's, it's these offices and hospitals and providers needed to have these patients come in in order to be able to generate a bill and, and drive revenue off those interactions. So there's, there's many, many interactions we can have with patients and improve in those areas, but the, the billing and the policies are going to have to come along um, with them. So yeah, you can make things, you know, very, very efficient. Uh, where, where I have found most of the barriers really have been, um, you know, on the on the billing side and, and, and trying to get people to move to a, uh, a different model of, of taking care of patients and one that doesn't revolve around, uh, you know, office-based in-person care. Right. Um, and, and getting back to sort of the, you know, cloud-based solutions, um, how, how can we, how can these solutions improve patient outcomes? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think there's a number of ways on, you know, and on the inpatient side, having a cloud-based solution that connects to, um, all of the other systems of importance and whether that be a, a messaging system or a voice or a video system or connecting to a nurse call system or connecting to a patient bed or connecting to an EMR or other systems um, and, and data to leverage information in those. But being able to do that in the cloud and then being able to do that in a way where you can give a practitioner 
a nurse, a physician, another type of provider, a consolidated view of all of that information in the palm of their hand. So they get all of that information and they can triage it and it's filtered in a way that filters out the noise and the false alarms and things like that. That to me is the really the, the game changing, practice changing, healthcare changing solution. When you're able to do that in the cloud and give that practitioner now what what really becomes an indispensable tool which, with which they can use to um, deliver care, that is really, I think, the, the exciting area of this, this cloud-based computing we have now. Being able to deliver on that um, has a tremendous impact on patient care, tremendous impact on financial outcomes, and the, and the experience of the care improves for both the patient and, and the provider. Um, I think that's really what we're starting to see here with the, the ability to do this in the cloud and then have those multiple connections to multiple systems. And I imagine that's a, quite a change from when you first started practicing medicine uh, those years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, it, you know, it's a huge change, but I, I still go places today where it's very much the same. Really? Where, you know, yeah, the nurse still will um, look at a grease board to find the physician's name, you know, written there in some black pen and says, you know, Dr. So-and-so is on call today and, you know, here is her pager number. And then you have to page that person and, and wait for the doctor to call back. And the nurse is, is, is waiting there and hopefully someone updated that grease board, right? And it's the right name and it's the right pager number. And then of course the doctor's receiving the page and it's like, oh, who's, who is this calling me? I wonder what they want. Is this super high priority or is this low priority? How do I, how do I triage this? Then she has to find a pay to what I'm doing right now. Right, right, or <laughs> right, find a payphone. At least today we've improved that, right? You don't need to find a, a dime or a quarter anymore and right. call it a payphone, right? You can do it on your smartphone, but 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 still, you can see how that causes delays in care, and I've and I've personally seen significant morbidity and mortality just from that one poor workflow alone where you, you haven't given the nurse the, the, the quick ability to find help, to find the doctor taking care of that patient. And the patient ends up suffering and the nurse ends up suffering too when they end up delivering bad or delayed or untimely care, right? And, and that's really what we see at a majority of places that we go that don't have these technologies yet because they just, for whatever reason, haven't done it yet. It hasn't been a priority. They've been doing things the same way for so long. They just, they keep doing it like that, right? So this, it, 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 you would think that it would be much, much different than it was 20 and 25 years ago. And the reality is 90% of hospitals still have physicians using pagers some physicians using pagers. Yeah, it's incredible. So how do you get that message across to them that, that they, you know, need to kind of get into, you know, the, you know, the 21st century? I mean, is it a matter of, I mean, are, are some of them sort of uh, intimidated by the financial uh, side of it or is it, or, or what they think the cost would be, or is it just sort of that just t that old resistance to change thing? 
I think it's the resistance to the change thing. I think at this point, you know, we as, as an industry um, built around clinical communication collaboration have shown, you know, very hard and fast data that these solutions, um, they do cost some money, yes, but the return you get on them, the return on investment you get on them is is incredible, right? They're they're well worth um, what you you know what you pay for them. So yeah, it, it comes down to the resistance uh, resistance in healthcare of change, and I think there's been a lot of reasons for that over time. There's you know there's been compliance and privacy and security concerns that have that have come up, um, but there are mostly you know very entrenched uh, workflows in very large facilities that have been doing the same thing the same way for a very long time. And it can be very, very, very difficult to change things because you have a lot of stakeholders and a lot of entrenched processes. And these are things that are often very difficult to remove. So how do you change the minds of, uh, you know, of folks like that who are kind of stuck in those old ways? <laughs> It's hard. Um, you, you often have to to show them. You often have to show them the actual software and put it on a phone and, and show it to them in the palm of their hand and say, look, there is a much better way to do this. And, and here it is. And often when we do that, the light bulb goes off. And then, you know, where we where we do have um, our software installed, you would you would get um, if you tried to remove it. I think they would be very angry with you in in almost all cases, and they can't imagine ever practicing again without it. And that's and that is often how we actually have driven a lot of our business over time. It's been where we've been installed at a, at a hospital and and been in use for a couple of years. People, physicians in particular, move around. They go different places, yeah. and they'll go to a hospital that doesn't have it. They'll be like why don't you have something like this? And we'll often, you know, start a process with them and, and get something going. It's, it's often word of mouth um, by people that have experienced both ways of doing this. And once you go to this new way of doing this, it's very, very hard to go back to the old way of, of doing things. But, you know, to answer your question, yeah, sometimes it is just brute force. You have to go in and it's a one-on-one -on -one individual basis sometimes where you really have to show them, hey, there's a much better way of doing this. And, uh, you know, and, he, and here it is. Um, now, you know, when you were starting out, did you ever envision something like this? Did you hope, you know, I, I imagine every practitioner hopes that things will get easier and, you know, be, you know, easier ways to do things. Um, you know, and, and of course, like, you know, if we're talking about the 90s or so, you know, technology was so different then. And, it's a, it's amazing how things have changed in, in such a short period of time. But, you know, how did you sort of, uh, you know, envision things going, uh, you know, in terms of the information flow for you? A lot faster. I thought this would happen a lot faster. <laughs> yeah. I am still shocked at how much time this has taken um, for us to move there as an industry because, you know, other industries have been on the cloud now for years and have ways of communicating that are far, far more advanced than healthcare. And 
So that to me has been the big shock of my career is just, I thought all of this would happen faster. I figured once the technology was available, um, that it would just completely overwhelm what's going on in healthcare today because it's so expensive and so inefficient and results in, in so much morbidity and mortality. And it just hasn't, it's just been, it's just been very slow. So to me, that's been the surprise of a career is, is just how much effort this has taken to, um, you know, to, to drive change and, and make some improvements. How, you know, you mentioned that, you know, it could be a 90% of, of places you visit still kind of use the old kind of system. You know, how long do you think it'll take before, you know, it's kind of commonplace across the industry? I don't know. That's it, it's a really good question, Jay. And I and I often wonder how long it will take. And I and I think at some point we will reach a tipping point where you, you, you get the early adopters on this, the people that really understand there's a much better way of doing things. And I think once you have a certain percentage of those folks moved along and they're loud enough and they're vocal enough and everyone else can see what they're doing then I think we'll have a, a sea change. And I think that's gonna happen here over the next five years, where five years from now, everyone will have these systems of, of communication that can connect um, providers across a network in a, in a much more meaningful way. And sort of speaking of sort of the way things are now, can you explain what the waterfall mode of communication is and why it needs to go away? You know, I'm familiar, obviously, with, with waterfall uh, versus agile in terms of software development. Um, and I, and I, you know, I hadn't heard that term previously um, in, in healthcare communication, that, that waterfall method of communication but I, I imagine it's it's much the same um type of you know type of type of concept um in healthcare but i think to to think sort of the opposite of waterfall right to think agilely is to be able to um find who you need find the information you need and react and respond in a in a quick in a much more agile fashion than that sort of old, you know, outdated waterfall uh, style of technology. Yeah, like top down, basically, right? Yeah, and, and sort of a, you know, a, a high, almost, yes, that waterfall or almost a hierarchical approach yeah. of transferring information uh, about a patient, you know, through a, a, a care team. Yes, it's, it tends to be, uh, can be very slow. Um, with the with the old methods of communication, and again, not good for the patient because sometimes minutes matter, right? Treating right. the patient sometimes a very very time sensitive thing as far as being able to get the patient the treatment they need. If it's a you know a heart attack or something like that, an emergency where you need to get them to the cath lab and get them ballooned, right? Being able to have a more agile way of communication um, to get that team prepared to be able to treat that patient more quickly. Yes, that's, that's something that I hope continues to change. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess, like you were saying, you're hoping that people will get on board with this over the next five years or so. What are some other, you know, using this technology and in, in these kinds of solutions, what are some other changes that we can hope to see in the years to come beyond that, I guess? 
I, I would hope that we do a better job um, engaging patients in much the same way. So, you know, we're very, very focused uh, now on getting providers and all the other people um, involved in a patient's care to be able to communicate, but then to move beyond that and extend that to the patient as well. There's always been this barrier, right, between the providers and the, and the patients. And a lot of it's been very artificial, right? Think about what your experiences are as a patient if you needed to get in touch with your physician, right? Chances are you're probably not going to text them, right? You're going you're gonna to call the office, right? And then the office is going to maybe you leave a voicemail, maybe they transfer you to someone, right? It, it's, it's, it's a really outdated way, an inefficient way of communicating with a patient, right? If a, if a, if a patient calls my office and they need to talk to me, typically what happens is that gets written down somewhere as a message and passed to me. Right. And then I have to call that patient back. And at the end of the day, maybe I have 10, maybe I have 20 of those patients that I have to call back. Um, it's not very timely. They've now been waiting six or seven hours to talk to me by something that could have been handled maybe by a text message back and forth with that patient or back and forth with my nurse and me and the patient or my nurse and me and the patient and their home health nurse. Right. Mm. Being able to enable those types of group conversations where you have more than one, two, three, four, ten people taking care of a patient, being able to engage the patient that way um, versus how we're doing it today, I think is something that could be very, very powerful and have a huge impact on uh, quality of care in this in this country and cost as well, right? Being able to intervene with a patient before they get so sick, they have to go to the emergency room or before they have to get readmitted to the hospital. That to me, I think is the, the next um, uh, frontier here in, in doing a much better job of engaging that pa patient population in a meaningful way. Because even the patient portal system, which is, you know, you can kind of dispense information that way and, and remind people of appointments and things like that. It still seems kind of clunky. Uh, you know, you've got to go in there and you've got to log in and uh, sort of seems like it's not quite, it's sort of on the way to what you're talking about, but it's not quite there yet either. Yeah, it, it, it sort of, it, it reminds me about the, the old quote from Henry Ford. If I think I won't get it exactly right, but if he said something like if he had asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. <laughs> right the portal is the faster horse it's a it does a terrible job of patient communication right you need to go in and you want to look up your lab results or something like that right fine but as far as engaging a patient back and forth with real-time communication about real-time problems it's terrible right um first of all if you're making patients log in you're going to lose a third of them right there they don't remember their password. They don't remember their username, right? They go, they get, they, they give up, right? And then they're going to pick up the phone and, and, and call, right? Adoption of patient portals, from what I typically see, it's somewhere between 10 and 25%. I've seen other centers do a little bit better, but that's 
it, it's off by way too much. Unless you have 90, 95% of your people on a, a platform to communicate with, you're gonna miss too many of them to make it worth it. So you know, I really see patient portals as that, as that faster horse, right? Yeah. People asked for it, the industry built it, but it's not really what's needed. You really need something else um, that replicates that, that consumer experience to be able to communicate with patients in a, in a meaningful way that's going to be adoptable, that replicates how they communicate in their real lives. People don't use patient portals to communicate with their friends, right? They right. use SMS, they use Facebook Messenger, they use WhatsApp, they use something that's only used for communication. That's the way we need to engage patients to replicate that experience because we know it works. Is anybody working on that <laughs> right now? Yes, um, yes, we are. We are. Okay, um, that's something that we have and that we have deployed, um, and we've deployed very, very successfully. I think you know we we took um, full advantage of the opportunity COVID provided us to be able to supply um, that functionality to people. Where you know hospitals were sending home very sick patients, hmm. very very sick patients, right? Because they needed to make room for the even sicker ones. So we're sending these people home sick. And in many cases, places had no way to communicate with the patients, right? And they were so sick, they often couldn't communicate. They had to communicate with a family member. So that's where we really provided something that does exactly what I'm suggesting, is a very easy-to-use platform based on text messaging with patients. Works very much the same way. It doesn't require an app, right? It doesn't require them downloading anything or entering passwords or any of that stuff. But we are able to have hospitals that sent sick patients home communicate with that patient on a three or four way message. Maybe the patient's uh, caretaker was there as well. Maybe the patient's primary care physician was on that string as well, right? So being able to, to do that, um, it's, it's possible. The technology is actually very easy and it's a, a little bit um, relevant to what I was saying earlier. The, the payment models aren't quite there yet, right? As a physician, no one's paying me. No one's reimbursing me to text back and forth with the patient. Yeah, so that's you, part of what we have to that? fix here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and if you, you know, when we work in more of a value-based model, where it's an accountable care organization, and we have uh, those that we work with, where there's a big financial incentive to communicate with the patient and keep them out of the acute care environment, it works swimmingly well right because the, the payment model supports it better so this is another one where we have the technology we could we can deploy this tomorrow and we we have deployed it it's just a matter of fitting it into the workflow and fitting it into the, the reimbursement model and i guess the you know patient education side of it is you know if they're already doing it so for most of your uh patients that would be um you know a good solution obviously like someone like my mom could not does not know what the t what a text is or at least how to do it so that would be you know but those those would be i guess but it would be a much smaller part portion of your audience i guess that would be you know still have to use the old way and you can mm -hmm. communicate much quicker with you know 80 percent of your people or whatever mm -hmm. exactly excellent well that's something to look forward to um well dr o'connor i want to thank you so much for joining me today this is a very educational conversation yeah, no, thanks, Jay. I appreciate the, the time, and it's a uh, 
it's a great topic. I think that um, there's so much room for improvement um, relative to communication, and uh, I think it's a, um, it's a it's a really worthy topic. So I uh, really enjoyed the discussion. Thank you. Right. Thanks. That wraps up episode 38 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. You can find more information about the podcast and listen to on-demand episodes on the show's page at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.